0: Hi boys and girls, this is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story, just for you. Second Choice Pup by Viola M. Payne Pup came into my life when I very badly needed something of my own to love. Mother had been ill all summer, and the three other children and I had been divided among aunts to be cared for. These women were kind, but they couldn't take the place of our parents. Worse than that, they all lived in town. I had been free to roam fields and pastures along the Texas cap rock. How could I suddenly confine myself to paper dolls and clay modeling in a prim house with a sidewalk for my boundary line? It was a happy August day when Dad moved us all back home. During the hot, dusty ride, he kept hinting that he had some surprise waiting for me. I could hardly wait for a glimpse of our solitary little house with its one tree in front. At last, we pulled up in front of it, and a fuzzy black puppy came dashing around the corner. "'Here's your surprise!' Dad exclaimed. I ran forward to meet the puppy. I could hardly dare to believe that I had this little animal to care for and love. The name Pup stayed with the dog because I couldn't think of anything fine enough to call such a lovely creature. He was a shepherd, dainty and well-shaped and remarkably clever. He started going along with me on walks over the rimrock of hills that bordered the high plains." I was never lonely, for he made a merry little playmate scampering beside me. He could detect things I never would have found alone. Now and then, he would leave my side, his brown eyes sparkling, to chase an impudent prairie dog back down a hole, or to give a saucy ground squirrel the scare of its life. Sometimes a real enemy lurked in the brush, such as the rusty brown coil of a rattlesnake. Pup would warn me with a growl low in his throat, as every hair on his back rose up like the quills of a porcupine. But usually they were happy excursions, with the last daisies of fall to sniff and a fresh cool breeze pushing across from the hills. Pup learned when I was going after the cows. If I had a stick in my hand, it meant that I was going to drive the slow, poky jersey and the fussy old holsting. Pup found them for me when they hid in a mesquite thicket. He could also put some willingness into their steps by a few well-placed nips on the back of their heels. He could even be depended upon to bring them in alone. I taught Pup to do tricks that astonished even the grown-ups. He'd stand on his hind legs and beg for bread. He'd roll over and over as many times as we wanted. He'd bring back the ball from wherever I threw it. But the game that never failed to delight us was hide-and-seek. On sunny days during the winter, I'd tell Pup what I wanted him to do. "'Hide, pup, hide!' With tail wagging in delight, he would dart away for some secret place where he would flatten down and remain motionless until I finally located him. Then it would be my turn to hide, and pup always stayed at home base long enough to give me time to get out of sight. Then he would begin a quick sniffing, which never failed to lead to me. I always took the best care of him I could. I saw that he had as much to eat as any of the family. That wasn't always too much.' but it was certainly enough to keep a pup's life going. Whenever I brushed and combed his silky black fur, admiring the deep waves and curls, he would look up at me with his big, soulful eyes. I could see love shining in their inky depths. If I thought anything about it at all, I just supposed that life would go on as it was, with pup always trotting beside me, waiting to meet me after school, and bounding down the cotton row while I worked. Of course, I knew that dogs sometimes died, other people's old worthless dogs, but I couldn't imagine anything as pretty and lovable as Pup having a mortal life. Once I asked my mother with a twinge of fear, how long do dogs usually live? And when she answered, oh, about 13 years, I think, I was satisfied and dismissed the thought from my mind. Spring came and summer, and Pup had been with me for almost a year. Then a chance came for me to spend a week with my cousin Alice. Mother and Dad encouraged it, for they thought I deserved a vacation. Yet as I left, I felt a nagging little fear. Who will take care of Pup? The whole family promised to watch him. Although I missed him while visiting Alice, the days went swiftly with games and bicycle rides. Then one day, Dad drove up in front of the shady porch where we were thumbing through some books. I hurried to ask about things at home. I have to tell you about Pup. Daddy appeared worried. He's a very sick dog. I've done all I can, but he doesn't seem to get any better. He has a fever, and his mouth is so infected that he can't eat. I don't know anything more we can do for him. I packed my clothes with shaking fingers, feeling that the bottom had dropped out of everything. I blamed myself all the way home for having left my pet, but I told myself he would surely get well when he saw me again. He didn't. His tail thumped feebly, his eyes lit with love, yet he was wasting from an infection that animal doctors didn't have a cure for at that time. We did the best we could to make him comfortable, always keeping a cool panful of water for him to lap when he felt strong enough. "'Why does he have to suffer?' I burst out. "'Do you see the pitiful way he looks at me with his big eyes?' "'It isn't your fault,' my mother tried to console me. One night, not long afterward, he looked up at my father tenderly, and the last breath quietly slipped from his body." The next morning, Dad wrapped him in a soft blanket and dug his grave where a cotton patch met a long, lonely strip of prairie. I would not watch him be buried. I circled the house and sobbed helplessly. The awful hours that passed nailed the truth into my heart. No more would the dear little form come dashing to meet me. No more would his quick, furry paws go the same path as mine. Suddenly, my world was dark and life not worth living. Mother tried to reason with me. "'We'll get another dog,' she said. "'Another dog?' I cried in sudden anger. "'I don't want another dog. "'There will never be another dog for me. "'I want pup back.' "'That is the one thing you cannot have,' she said gently. "'But death is an enemy of God's, too, "'and some day he will destroy it "'and give us all a better chance to be happy. "'Why doesn't he end it all now?' "'Because it is not time. "'God wants more people to have a chance "'to learn that his way is right.' I hardly understood what she meant, and I didn't see how talking was going to help me any. People said I would forget, but I didn't. I quit my crying out loud for the bitter reason that it was no use. I went on with school and the usual activities, but inside I was hurt and lonely, and often I would carry a little bunch of wild flowers to Pup's grave and stand there and long for him. I wouldn't let anyone bring another dog on the place. I spent spare hours alone working on a scrapbook about dogs. The wound of Pup's death healed over to the point that I felt life was bearable, but not very joyful. Then something happened that jarred my mind out of its rut. Dad announced that we were moving back to a farm on a creek 60 miles to the east. I brightened, remembering the hills and arroyos of Mitchell County as being much more interesting than the treeless plains and chalky caprock of our present home. We moved during Christmas vacation, and it was such hard work that I didn't have time to think of anything else. Soon, I was exploring the creek, hunting arrowheads around old Indian camps, and climbing mesquite trees. "'We're going to have to get a dog to keep the opossums off the chickens,' my dad suggested. I turned pale. "'No!' I flared. "'I don't want any dog. "'Not now or ever.' Then one night, a norther whistled in, chilling everything to the bone all the way to San Antonio, while a freezing rain hung icicles off all the bare mesquite limbs. I went to bed with a hot grindstone at my feet and pulled a homemade quilt all the way to my ears. I couldn't go to sleep, for the wind kept whistling through cracks and banging things around, and I could hear the wood in the stove crackling down lower and lower. Mixed in with the noises was a thin, pitiful whining. I finally got up to investigate. Outside the front door, huddled the most miserable piece of dog flesh I had seen in all my life. I opened the door to the creature, and it inched in as if it expected each moment to get a blow upon its caved-in sides. It was nothing but a pup, just a short-haired white mixture of breeds. It had a cactus spine in one foot, and it looked up at me with blurred eyes set in a head too big for its scrawny body. Mother came to see what the commotion was about. She had a few words to say about anyone who would turn a helpless pup out to freeze and starve on the creek at this time of year. Then she found an old pan she could use to heat some milk. When I put the warm liquid out to the dog, his tail began to wag and hope crept back into his eyes. When his shriveled stomach was so stuffed that he had to curl in front of the fire, I heard him sigh contentedly, and I felt the first real bit of happiness that I had known for a long, long time. The days hurried by after that. Of course, the little dog did not leave. He had no place to go. We named him Prosperity, since Dad said we could certainly stand a bit of that around. He didn't look like my long-lost pup, nor did he act a bit like him, but he was a good little dog and became a faithful household pet. We had many walks across the hills and pastures, and he chased wild cows away from me, more than once. He could not take pup's place, nothing like that. Each of us, human and animal, has their own place in God's great plan. No other creature can fill it. But I did learn a great lesson from that scrawny little dog. The way to get over sorrow and loss is not to bottle up your heart and quit loving, but to reach out and find someone who needs you. Then you can't help being happy, for happiness follows loving and doing for others, as surely as day follows night. And the time even came in my life when I could say that little Prosperity wasn't a second-choice pup to me. He had made a place of his own, equal to any.